listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the ACB Advocacy Update podcast. I'm your host, Clark Rockfall, Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs for the American Council of the Blind. Thank you to everyone listening on ACB Radio, as well as those listening, downloading, streaming, uh, most importantly, rating and giving feedback via your favorite podcast player. If you have any advocacy issues that you would like to bring to ACB's attention, you can always email us at advocacy at acb.org. And before we jump in here today, I'd just like to give a big thank you to Sprint T-Mobile for underwriting the ACB Advocacy Update podcast. So today we've got some guests joining us to talk about this entire week, the end of September, the beginning of October, leading up to a big day on Saturday, October 3rd, uh, which will be the third annual National Blind Sports Day. And we have some guests from the U.S. Association of Blind Athletes, or USABA, talking about National Blind Sports Week. So first, I'd like to welcome friend of the podcast. She's joined us before to talk about the USABA National Fitness Challenge, and that is Kat Bocamp. Kat, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks, Clark, for having us. Absolutely. Kat, tell us a little bit about your role at USABA. Sure. So at USABA, my job title is Membership and Safe Sport Coordinator, but it really encompasses everything that has to do with our members, including programs like the one that is going on with National Blind Sports Week. So I work from the grassroots level all the way up to high performance with our members. Awesome. And Kat, we have another guest with us today. Ben, Ben, please introduce yourself. Hey, everybody. Uh, thanks for having me on the podcast, Clark. And uh, just a little bit about myself. Um, I'm from Minnesota. I do judo. I'm one of those members that Kat coordinates. And uh, yeah, I'm uh, just uh, here to help uh, support uh, the movement for the advocacy for uh, blind and visually impaired people in sports. Right on. And Ben, you said that you, you do judo. Uh, give us a little bit more on your sport background. All right. Yeah, gotcha. I didn't know if we wanted to do that a little bit later, but uh, uh, just uh, to preemptive, uh, I started judo in 2011 uh, after a uh, significant wrestling career, uh, got into judo, um, eventually moved out to Colorado Springs to train there and uh, eventually made the team uh, Paralympic team to Rio in 2016 and am currently training to uh, make the now 2021 Tokyo Paralympics. So uh, working hard and uh, weaving myself through these uh, interesting times. And Ben, you said prior to judo, you were a wrestler. Was wrestling kind of your, your entry point into adaptive sports? Yeah, uh, wrestling was definitely my uh, introduction to adaptive sports. I uh, So uh, beforehand, I tried to do all the different sports um, that uh, I guess uh, most grade schools or most middle schools offered. Uh, so I tried basketball, tried uh, soccer, uh, all those things. Um, but wrestling was kind of my go-to uh, just because of uh, – the opportunity that I was in close contact with somebody. So I didn't have to uh, worry about seeing things or missing things. It was uh, 
more so I could do by feeling rather than by sight. Um, and so it was a lot better opportunity for me to try. And uh, luckily, I was, uh, I guess, um, notably high enough that uh, I was seen by uh, representatives from USA Judo um, and contacted um, by them uh, due to newspaper articles and things like that. And so then they found out about me and were able to facilitate my transition kind of thing into judo from wrestling. So, And Kat, when you hear stories like Ben's, um, you know, finding his way into wrestling and having a, a bright enough career in wrestling that he gets recognized by USA Judo and kind of brought into the pipeline, I, I bet you hear stories like that every day. But how does that... Um, I guess, kind of put an impetus behind what we're doing here this week with National Blind Sports Week. Absolutely. I mean, the fact that Ben was able to get his foot in the door with judo and then kind of be discovered um, by USA Judo is such a testament to what the blind sports community is capable of in this in the terms of being able to reach out to athletes and kind of cultivate athletes who may not really understand or know about the opportunities that are in blind sports these days. And so really with Ben's story and with a lot of the stories that I have heard from our athletes um, and a story you all may have heard maybe yesterday with Bailey Martin on Monday um, is the fact that by exposing athletes to the opportunities that exist out there, we're really able to strengthen the pipeline of blind and visually impaired athletes in the U.S. And like you mentioned, that is exactly what we're trying to do with National Blind Sports Week by presenting as many resources and different sports opportunities to students or youth with visual impairments, adults with visual impairments, the parents of athletes with visual impairments, and really just your everyday community member to make sure everyone is aware of the opportunities that exist for blind and visually impaired athletes. Kat, tell us a little bit more about the first two iterations of National Blind Sports Day. Um, obviously, things look a little bit different this year, but where, where did we come from? Yeah, so National Blind Sports Day was really started with the educational aspect in mind. Um, and for the last two years, it has been a single day of in-person programming around the U.S. So over the last two years, we have had over 68 partnering organizations across the U.S. hold events. And those events could be either a goalball demo or it could be a multi-sport demo where someone or some organization is able to show goalball, blind soccer, um, triathlon, running, cycling, all kinds of different sports. But obviously we know with COVID being what it is in the U.S., we, we're not going to have the opportunity to have as many, if any, in-person programming on National Blind Sports Day this year. And so we still wanted to be able to provide the most resources for blind and visually impaired athletes that we could. And we figured the best way to do this was, you know, following with the times, create a virtual event that brings everyone together. Now, while we are USABA, 
we are interested in the betterment of the blind and visually impaired community overall. So that's why this week we've partnered with organizations such as ACB, such as USA Judo, U.S. Paralympics Track and Field, um, just a plethora of other well-known organizations to further the conversation on blind and visually impaired sports in the U.S. Yeah, and ACB was very honored to be a part of the, the programming earlier this week. I had the privilege of moderating and basically a sport advocacy panel and many familiar faces to ACB, including board members and affiliate presidents like Donna Brown, Doug Powell, Dan Dillon, and the first lady of ACB, who is a certified aerobics and fitness instructor, Leslie Spoon, um, shared their sport and exercise journeys and how it's impacted them personally and professionally. Um, so thank you to everyone who tuned in for that as well. So Ben, you're participating here in National Blind Sports Week. Uh, tell folks, I guess, and this will wear on Thursday. So by that point, you'll already have done your presentation. Uh, but what's that going to look like? Uh, so my, I guess my presentation, I just, so what I'm going to uh, focus on stuff tomorrow is just a little bit more in-depth about um, uh, my story, I guess, and then what sports uh, specifically has done for me, um, especially being visually impaired um, and how it has given me so so many things, um, just like uh, like you talked about, Leslie, uh, professionally and personally, uh, how it's helped me grow and how it's moved my life forward in so many different directions. Um, and just describe... Uh, uh, those things and go a little bit more in depth about that and um, and show that why sports is so important um, for uh, especially visually impaired people who don't have as much uh, maybe body control or uh, or ability to do a lot of more physical things that this is creating an opportunity for them to make sure that they're getting out there and um, and making the most of things and uh, getting the, those uh, different uh, exercises in and stuff. And, and uh, yeah, and, and uh, ah, no, I just love sports. Yeah. So uh, here at a ACB, we hear a lot from folks um, who are blind and low vision and that it's, it's more difficult to get up and get moving um, and as a result of being either uncomfortable of venturing, you know, far and wide or to the gym, or even once you get there, facing barriers of social stigma that you're, you know, not as capable of others or inaccessibility of exercise and fitness equipment. And we know that diabetic retinopathy is the leading cause of blindness for working age adults. We know that people who are blind are more than 70% or, you know, have instances uh, of, you know, heart disease and chronic health conditions, you know, and they're 70% more likely to have those conditions than the rest of the population. So in addition to increasing the elite sport pipeline, um, Kat, what's USABA hoping to accomplish here this week? I mean, like you mentioned, the first step is always the hardest. And so by creating this 
wide array of resources. You know, we have someone like Ben, who's a Paralympian um, and an obviously high-performing athlete. And then on the other hand, we have we had Bailey Martin on Monday, who's an 18-year-old athlete just kind of getting into her sport experience. So we wanted to cover the whole spectrum of what our membership and what those who would be watching we thought would be interested in um, to create the widest variety of opportunities. You know, again, the first step is always the hardest. So by putting out as many resources, as many opportunities, as many tidbits and stories as we could, we're hoping to reach, you know, everyone from, someone who's a self-proclaimed couch potato to someone who's done an Ironman. We want everyone to feel like they have a place in the blind and visually impaired sports community. And Kat, being a a Paralympic athlete in your own right, um, why, why do you do what you do? So you're the membership coordinator. um, You work in safe sport for USABA, but why is it so important to you to create these opportunities? Yeah, so a little bit about me. Like you mentioned, uh, I was a 2012 Paralympian uh, in wheelchair fencing. So I have a mobility impairment as opposed to a visual impairment. But I'm from a small town in Indiana where I didn't know about Paralympic sport. I had no exposure to people with disabilities like mine. And so when I first went to the Paralympic Games in 2012, I was 16 years old, and that was my first exposure to being around people who looked, felt, acted like I did. And so my goal at USABA is to really create a more in-depth pipeline so that people aren't 16 or 30 or 50 by the time that they feel like they're really involved in a community And I want to be able to really bolster the grassroots programming that USABA has to just further reach out to those who may be somewhat like me in rural areas who don't know of all the opportunities that exist to make them feel whole. That's great. Thank you so much for sharing that, Kat. I know that's uh, a big barrier. You've said that the the first step is always the hardest. And I think one of the reasons it's the hardest is because a lot of us growing up may not have uh, role models who have similar conditions or life experiences um, that we are experiencing. So it's you feel like you're a pioneer or taking that first step on the moon just because you haven't witnessed anyone do it before you. Um, but the work that USABA is doing here this week, you're really letting people know that you know, you're not reinventing the wheel. You're not the first one to take that big step. It's not an insurmountable barrier or mountain that lies before you. you know, it's a, a well-trodden and blazed trail. Um, so you don't need to be out there on your own. And Ben, it, it sounds like you've had a, a pretty good support network um, throughout your sport career. So really, who are some of the some of the role models or uh, some of the influences in your life that have helped you along as you found your way in sport? Uh, so 
I, I agree with that, that uh, those statements like wholeheartedly with the aspect that um, the role models and stuff and the people you look up to and stuff when you're growing and being um, molded into uh, the people you will become um, is really important. And, and that creates um, and that opportunity that is created and stuff in those situations are um, so important. But I guess uh, in my uh, adolescence and stuff, I guess one of my biggest things was uh, my brother. Um, so my brother's fully sighted um, and he's older by uh, just under three years. And so uh, he was always um, kind of somebody for me to look up to. And me being so competitive, um, I mean, I was competitive all the time with everything. And I just <laughs> think that's probably how brothers are. But um, uh, I, I always saw him as, uh, I mean, doing sports and doing athletics and stuff. And um, he was a senior when I was a freshman in high school um, and all that kind of stuff that uh, I saw him doing this and that and I wanted to do it myself. Uh, and it was something that I took on as a challenge that I and didn't back away from that. I just wanted to prove that uh, I was just as good or just as, uh, as uh, athletic as anybody else. And as, as him is. So I think that was something that helped drive me to be uh, as hardworking and as uh, dedicated to things um, as I am uh, because of that, that push that I wanted um uh, to do that. And I think in the end of that, uh, I, I, I pretty much got every award he got. And then on top of that, uh, <laughs> I got athlete of the year, uh, my senior year of high school. So I, I proved to myself and just as other people can prove to themselves, they can do so many things if they just put their mind to it. And, um, and I, and I love that these things like national sports or national blind sports week is just being able to give that opportunity to people to show them that there are things that they can do and, um, and really achieve some really great things. I mean, without the introduction to judo, I wouldn't be a Paralympian. Um, I wouldn't have known about it. So getting the awareness out to all these people at a young age and, uh, presenting that opportunity to them, um, where they can really build a career off of it and stuff is really important. I feel like to me, so yeah, just as important as being better than your older brother. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I see where the priorities are here. <laughs> yeah. And and Ben, how has uh, the like you said the the hard work and the success that you have found in judo? Um, how's that carried over to other aspects of your life? Well, uh, I think in the same fashion, um, just as just as with athletics, um, I wanted to be like in the in the best uh, group in in uh, college in uh, my education and stuff, and I I really strive to um, I guess uh, be at the top of the class. I guess I I got a four in high school, and I and I and I did everything I could. Um, I, 
made sure obviously I, I uh, used the resources available to me and I was thankful that I was in a position where uh, there were resources. Um, but going to the University of Minnesota, um, I tried to create uh, involvement in other uh, sociable things and sociable clubs so that I could um, really network with a lot of people. And so I think um, it's sports especially has shown me that, I mean, hard work and dedication can really get you uh, far in life and it can really uh, push you to the next level. As long as you're willing to put the effort in, uh, it can uh, really show great things. Um, and I think that uh, I have, uh, I've done good. I think like, with the academic side, I, I did college, uh, double major in accounting and finance and uh, management information systems minor in, in four years. So I, I tried to, I tried to, and, and that's partially because I wanted to get done so I could focus on judo, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, um, I think, I think, uh, that's my biggest thing is just the, the way to persevere through things and, uh, and, and be the best person I can be. It's always fascinating to me when it's like, once you flip that competitive switch, uh, which you certainly did in sport, it kind of carries over. Um, to all aspects of your life so you're sitting there in the classroom and it's like oh yeah no I I can get a higher test score than than that guy or mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. that woman that woman's smart you know we're gonna hang out we're gonna become friends right and, you know we're gonna make each other better it's it's always interesting how that kind of snowballs and once you once you switch it on it it can you know kind of take over cat um, again listening to to Ben speak and hearing the, you know, the motivations and the drivers um, that have kind of shaped his career, both academically and within sport and the opportunities that he's had available. Um, what opportunities it, is National Blind Sports Week providing to kind of have those, those bends of the future coming up the pipeline? What other uh, events are happening this week and culminating this weekend? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, we want as many Ben Goodriches to come out of National Blind Sports Week as possible. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Since this is coming out on Thursday, um, for the rest of Thursday, we are focusing on paratriathlon. So we will have a presentation from the director of Paralympic Program. We will have um, a paratriathlete Paralympic hopeful Q&A session. We will also have a live workout from a high-performing paratriathlete. So really encompassing all aspects of the sport to understand what the national governing body does, what a high-performing athlete's life looks like, and what a workout structure for that athlete looks like. We will also in the evening be having a panel with USABA and the National Federation of the Blind to somewhat discuss more in depth the virtual opportunities that have really kind of come out of this COVID pandemic tragedy, but have been able to strengthen the blind and visually impaired sports community. Uh, and so just a conversation about resources that are available out there. Uh, and then on Friday, we are jumping into the sports of blind soccer, as well as the sport of track and field for blind and visually impaired athletes. So both of those will be hosted by either the national team level coaches 
and track and field will be hosted by the former director of U.S. Paralympics track and field, Kathy Sellers. And then in the evening, we will have a resource presentation from Achilles International. And so really just like I've mentioned again and again, we're just trying to provide the widest variety possible. So from high-performing paratriathletes to um, a resource panel from Achilles International that will focus on where to get involved where you are in your hometown. Uh, so really just being able to find, like we've all said, find that first step, find that in almost to the community. And then everything for this week is culminating, like you've mentioned, on National Blind Sports Day on Saturday, where we will have over 30 virtual events and demos and experiences hosted by organizations across the U.S. that will be available on our website. So we're trying to embody what National Blind Sports Day has looked like in the past in the safest and most feasible way. So we are hosting over 30 virtual events. And another thing that I kind of wanted to hit on was we've all been talking about how, you know, the resources and the exposure is the most important part to making that first step. And one of the great things about National Blind Sports Week is that when looking at the registrations that have come in, we have 38% athletes, but we also have 27% associated professionals who registered. So those are O&Ms, teachers, recreational therapists, and professionals within the blind and visually impaired community. So again, not only being able to offer resources to our athletes, but offer resources to those who work the closest with our athletes and just provide a wider network. Those are really interesting numbers. Thanks for sharing those, Kat. Um, I, and I'm glad that you mentioned Achilles International, certainly a friend of the American Council of the Blind. And they are an organization that has local chapters um, throughout the country. And we've been excited to host a couple of weekly community events uh, with Achilles International. Are there other organizations that folks should know about on the local or the, the grassroots level when they're looking to get involved in becoming physically active um, or sport? Yeah, so all of our presentations have been recorded and will be on the USABA Facebook. And in those we harped on each of our presenters focusing on the grassroots level. So if you go back and watch our goalball presentations, the national team coaches will talk about how to get involved on a local level, whether that be how to find a goalball team or how to create a goalball team. On judo and blind hockey day, it will be the same story of focusing on how to get involved, you know, at a, judo dojo by you or how to find a blind hockey program near you. Uh, so I encourage everyone on this call to go back and listen to all of the presentations that have happened thus far this week, as well as continue to listen for the rest of the week to hear kind of more about how to get involved on that local level. 
So quick story, when I was first becoming interested in Paralympic sport, um, like Ben, but nowhere near at his level, I had a wrestling background in high school and I was interested in judo, uh, but the, the nearest dojo that I could find to where I grew up in Annapolis, Maryland was 45 minutes away. And that was going to be a, a pretty big barrier to overcome uh, with a, you know, a full work day plus a commute, then commuting to and from a dojo. And that was one of the reasons I gravitated towards tandem cycling because I could do the bulk of my training at home on a stationary trainer um, on my own. And it's, it worked out really well because I didn't have to go one-on-one with, you know, bad people like Ben Goodridge or Miles Porter or D'Artagnan. Um, <laughs> so I, I will stick by that decision. Um, but Ben, in your career, have you, have you heard of folks making similar decision decisions or facing uh, similar obstacles and what advice can you provide to them? Yeah, I think, uh, I think that it's definitely a question that a lot of people have to answer. Um, I know uh, when you look at judo, especially worldwide, uh, it's a huge sport. It's, it's uh, the top, one of the top three behind soccer and uh, pretty close to like bocce ball. But uh, so it's, 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 it's a really, it's a really uh, big played sport internationally. Millions of people in other countries and stuff do it. But at the same time in the U.S., um, the close contact combat sport uh, kind of realm is dominated by wrestling. Um, and so you're going to find a lot more opportunity in wrestling. But just as you said, like where you can train for your, your tandem biking um, in home on a trainer, uh, you can, to some extent, train for judo by doing wrestling. Um, I mean, there's a lot of things that that are going to be different, and there's going to be some changes, but there's also a lot of similarities um, and a lot of things that can give you advantage in certain areas. Um, so there's definitely transition, but I I enjoyed the transition, and um, I think I think especially. Uh, as Kat said earlier, like that first step is the hardest. So whether it not be the sport you want to do maybe long-term, but starting a sport or starting um, some sort of athletic feat uh, that you want to achieve and stuff, uh, just, just getting one going can lead to others. Um, I think I'm a pretty uh, high advocate for, for trying multiple sports when you're younger. I think it adds to, uh, your perspective and the realm of uh, opportunity and possibilities. So uh, I know uh, in the future, if I do have kids, that that would be something that, that I would want, um, that I would want them to do it would be multiple sports rather than just one. Cause I think, I think one sport especially can um, to some extent burn, burn people out by, by a certain age and stuff. And you can feel like you've accomplished everything you're going to do in that sport, but um, but giving them a variety and stuff can really lead to, uh, to more opportunities, um, because you're just a more well-rounded whole, whole athlete. So, yeah. Yes. And the, especially the mental toughness from wrestling, 
that paid dividends when logging those hours on the the stationary bike in my basement, um, you know, just riding to nowhere, but knowing that I was doing it for a, a greater purpose and a greater goal. Um, so there, there's certainly crossover and uh, benefits that come from doing multiple sports and then well beyond the sport realm. Uh, so I agree with you wholeheartedly there. And Kat, so we're all building up to National Blind Sports Day on Saturday, October 3rd. And whether it's participating in a USABA event or just getting out and getting active, uh, we want to encourage as many people to uh, participate and be involved in physical activity, uh, mental health and wellness, uh, all of that good stuff. But after October 3rd, uh, where do we go? What happens? Yeah, so with October being um, National Blind Awareness Month, you know, this this party doesn't stop, you know, when National Blind Sports <laughs> Week ends. Um, this is really a month to focus on taking that first big leap, taking the time to advocate for yourself, to advocate for the blind and visually impaired community in sport. Now, there, there's no judgment in the blind and visually impaired sport community. And so reaching out to people who you've always been interested in hearing more about how they got started, like athletes like Ben or Amy Dixon, who will be talking today on Thursday, um, reaching out to those kinds of athletes or reaching out to high-performance uh, managers of sports to learn more about how you get involved in sport. You know, nothing is going to change unless you make it change. And so being that force and that advocate for yourself is something that shouldn't be specific to National Blind Sports Week or shouldn't be specific to National Blind Awareness Month. You know, standing up for yourself, speaking out, trying new things, getting involved is something that you should always be striving for and working on. So I know USABA and ACB and a lot of our other partners are always available to just be that sounding board and be that hub of resources for people who are interested in taking the first step. So just reaching out to the people you want to learn more about is 100% something that shouldn't be limited to just National Blind Sports Week. And that point was certainly echoed on Monday by the, the ACB Sport Advocacy Panel. Uh, several of our presenters, like Dan Dillon from Tennessee and Doug Powell from Virginia, uh, mentioned the need to not only advocate to get involved in sport, uh, especially if you're involved in your local or grassroots community, and there might not be a, um, a burgeoning adaptive sport scene. So, for example, here in Washington, D.C. or the D.C. area, we're really lucky. There's the D.C. Wheelers ice ho blind ice hockey team. There's multiple uh, adaptive rowing programs, in in including the Capital Adaptive Rowing Program uh, based out of the Anacostia Boathouse in southeast D.C. Um, there's a, a Tuesday night tandem club. But if your local area, for whatever reason, doesn't have an adaptive scene, 
it's, it's up to the individual and their support network to put themselves out there. And the more you show that you're earnest and committed to becoming involved, uh, I think the more likely it is that folks will take an interest in helping you succeed. Ben, would you agree with that? Would you say that's been your experience? Yeah, I, I would say so. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. Um, yeah, the more you put yourself out there, the more you show that, uh, that you're willing to put the work in gives maybe other people inspiration as well to help you and or just the, uh, the want to help you too. Because I think uh, there's a lot of people with uh, obviously great hearts and um, they're, just, they're just looking for uh, the, uh, the right uh, presentation and, and uh, influence upon them. So, yeah. Yeah, and, and certainly we know that there are um, some larger systemic barriers in place, um, and that's where organizations like ACB can become involved. So, for example, with the exercise and fitness equipment, not always necessarily the most uh, blind or low vision friendly, right, with a flat touchscreen display or monitor. But we've also seen some progress made in that realm. So earlier this year, ACB worked with Peloton uh, to add a screen reader, the Google Talkback screen reader, to the Peloton bike. And that is something that any Peloton bike may now, a blind person can now independently launch the screen reader by holding down the, the volume up and down button and then independently you know, search through the menus and launch a class of their choice and also receive feedback and metrics during the class. So it's a really cool partnership, and we're glad to be working with uh, Peloton Interactive on the implementation as well as the improvements to that screen reader. Uh, but if there are other pieces of equipment out there, you know, we have conversations that are ongoing and we'll be sh sure to share those developments as they become available. But again, if there are other companies out there, pieces of equipment out there that folks are facing accessibility barriers, you know, please reach out to ACB and let us know. So as we're wrapping up here, uh, Kat, for folks who want to learn more about USABA as well as National Blind Sports Day, October 3rd, and maybe to see all the previous events from National Blind Sports Week, where should they go and what should they do? Absolutely. So if you want to head on over to the USABA website, which is www usaba.org or if you want to check out specifically National Blind Sports Day and National Blind Sports Week information head to usaba.org slash blind sports day and there you will be able to see the full schedule you will be able to link to our Facebook to find the recorded videos that are available and come Friday, you will be able to see the full listing of events that will be available for Saturday, October 3rd. Great. And Ben, if folks want to learn more about uh, USA Judo or Blind Judo, where should they go? Uh, so we, uh, so USA Judo, they should go to www. 
usajudo.org or uh, through uh, www.teamusa.org. And uh, those, uh, there'll be links there to judo as well. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, I uh, appreciate having me on the show and um, that, uh, and uh, I'm really excited about what uh, is all to come here during uh, the week uh, for National uh, Blind Sports Week. So, as are we. And Ben Goodridge, if folks want to learn more about you or follow uh, your sport career, how can they do that? Uh, so my uh, my Facebook page. Um, I was going to say I don't even actually know if I remember it. <laughs> or, <sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. Uh, Let's see. If you search Ben Goodrich dash US Paralympian Ooh. on Facebook, you'll be able to find Ben's sports specific oh, page. Yeah, you're right. She right. See, and that's why she's the <laughs> member coordinator. Uh, it's you know, it's uh all athletes need to have a good support network in place, whether <laughs> grassroots level or they're at the uh, peak of elite performance. Isn't that right, Ben? Yeah, that is totally right. And uh, we uh, wouldn't be able to do what we do without them. So much appreciated. ACB in action, where the heart and soul of ACB shines. They're working on the front lines and behind the scenes at all levels of leadership throughout our organization. Here's our opportunity to sit at the virtual table and learn about these movers and shakers among us. I'm Cindy, and I invite you to join me on Tuesdays at 9 p.m. for ACB in action. If folks have any questions um, that they would like to uh, have forwarded along to USABA mm -hmm. or Ben, please feel free to reach out to ACB uh, and Clark and Claire at advocacy at acb.org, and we will be sure to pass them along. And please check out National Blind Sports Day on the USABA website. So once again, Kat Bocamp. And Ben Goodridge, thanks for sharing information about National Blind Sports Week and National Blind Sports Day on October 3rd with our ACB audience. Folks, please get up, get out, be active, uh, live that happy and healthy life that you want to live, and know that there are resources out there, and whether that's virtual resources or personal resources out there and available. We all want everyone to be active and be healthy. So get after it. And Kat and Ben, thank you for joining me for this conversation today. And we hope to have you guys back again soon. Thanks so much, Clark. Thanks, Clark. Thanks for listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. You can reach us by emailing advocacy at acb.org. The ACB Advocacy Update is a production of the American Council of the Blind in Alexandria, Virginia. To learn more about ACB, visit us online at www.acb.org.